0: Good morning everyone, good to have you with us again, and a particularly warm welcome if you're new or visiting in our community, good you could be here. Uh, Today we're going to continue in our series on the book of Acts, Uh, and we're going to be looking at the second half of Acts chapter 8 this morning. Um, And yes, so much has been happening, Uh, it's been a crazy and turbulent time in the church, Uh, We heard about Stephen uh, being killed because of the message that he preached. We heard about uh, Saul ravaging the church and throwing Christians in prison. Um, And at the same time, we hear about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, going out into the world. Uh, we hear it, uh, about it going out beyond Jerusalem. Uh, Philip proclaims the gospel in Samaria. Uh, and people there turn to God. They turn to Jesus and they get saved. They, uh, they receive the Holy Spirit when uh, John and Peter pray for them. Uh, so that's amazing. But then, you know, last week we heard from Wilson about the incident of uh, Simon the magician uh, in Samaria who is baptized but then tries to sort of buy supernatural gifts with money. So, you know, obviously hasn't fully understood the gospel. Uh, so that's discouraging. So it's, it's really this, uh, it's been this turbulent kind of push and pull of uh, resistance and persecution, but also great joy and progress in the gospel. Um, and then at the same time kind of frustration and discouragement as well it's, uh, in reading this it can feel a bit like the progress for the gospel is two steps forward and one step back it's, it's really tough in human terms it might be uh, it's, it's really hard going and you might say it's too hard going but what we see in the second half of chapter 8 uh, which we'll read in a moment together is this clear and beautiful reminder that uh, it's God who is building his church god's holy spirit uh, leads the way and clears the path for the gospel to go out into the world not just in uh, a large-scale sense you know going from jerusalem to judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth um, but also in a very personal sense in kind of one-on-one relationships uh, and in personal evangelism evangelism is uh, telling people the good news about uh, who jesus is And so God involves his people in this, but really uh, the Holy Spirit is leading the way and is sort of orchestrating the whole thing. It's made really visible uh, in this story we're about to read, but I think it also serves as a reminder that uh, even when we can't see it clearly, God is still at work, and God himself uh, is the changer of hearts and the builder of his church and not us. Uh, So let's read the passage together from Acts chapter 8. Uh, Verses 26 to 40. It should appear on the screen as well. There we go. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. But Philip found himself at Azetus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word to us. Thank you for this wonderful book of Acts where we hear about uh, the gospel going out into the world um, and all that you do uh, through your spirit to, to bring that about. And I pray, God, that you would. Uh, yeah, you would speak to us today, and you would fill us with greater wonder at you, and greater confidence and trust in you, uh, because of the things that uh, you speak to us today. Amen. So this uh, this passage is a fascinating little part of the Acts story, uh, and one where, as I said, we see the Spirit's leading everywhere. Philip shares the gospel with this eunuch who seems to have uh, a great deal of kind of importance and status in his home country and he comes to, to faith in Jesus. He gets baptized and goes on his way rejoicing. It's this great little uh, joyful story of a man coming to faith. Uh, and yeah, it, after all the turbulence and drama of the last couple of chapters, it feels a bit like you know the, the pep up that we all need. Uh, it's really encouraging because it also represents the gospel going even further out into the world. So we heard you know, in the beginning of Acts uh, talks of Jesus telling his apostles, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Uh, and we see it here. We see the gospel going further afield uh, into Africa, which you know, is the start of it going into the ends of the earth, the rest of the world. Um, so it's really driving home to us at that point as well that the gospel is for all nations and all peoples and all races. Uh, It's not an exclusive gospel, but it is actually a radically inclusive gospel. Uh, So we're going to look at the different ways in which we see the Spirit at work in this story, uh, and then unpack them a bit to try to understand uh, what God is saying to us through this passage. And I think it's important to say at the outset that while it is always true that God is the one building his church, and the Holy Spirit is always the one uh, leading in evangelism, the story isn't intended as a sort of blueprint for all evangelistic interactions, um, not at all. For example, the things that happen in this story would be impossible to orchestrate by human planning. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you know, it's wrong or bad to sort of plan or strategize for evangelism. It would be a mistake to draw that conclusion. Uh, and so that's why we're looking at how the Holy Spirit works in this particular exchange and then uh, thinking about what implications that has in a more general sense and what that means for us. So how do we see uh, God's Spirit at work in this story? Well, the the first way uh, is that he speaks to Philip in a couple of different ways. Uh, The first time it's through an angel, in verse 26, God sends an angel of the Lord to tell Philip uh, to go down south to the road uh, from Jerusalem to Gaza. And Philip's response, even though it's a desert place and he doesn't know at that point why he has to go there yet, uh, he obeys. It says that Philip got up and went. And then later when he's there, uh, he sees that there's a chariot on the road And verse 29 says that the Spirit spoke directly to Philip and said, go over and join this chariot. And once again, what's Philip's response? He runs to the chariot. He uh, listens to and obeys the voice of God. So God speaks to Philip both to uh, initially kind of get him to the the general area where he he wants him uh, and then to get him to go up to the chariot itself where this man is sitting who will uh, eventually become a follower of Jesus. So we see, active, uh, we see God actively building his church by directing Philip. And so what's the significance of this uh, for us? What's, what are the implications? I don't think uh, it means that we should only share the gospel if we kind of audibly hear the voice of God or if an angel of the Lord speaks to us about it. Um, even if you never get a sense that God is specifically speaking to you about uh, sharing the gospel with someone, we are called to share the good news of Jesus out of uh, love for other people. And we can go ahead and do that if we have the opportunity. And I think we can trust that God is with us in that, uh, when we do that. But I think what we can take from this uh, in a more general sense is to be open to the voice and the leading of God, uh, as Philip was, and to be kind of poised to respond to that with trust and obedience. So, what do i mean uh, by being open to god's voice well the main uh, the main way in which god speaks to us day to day uh, is through the bible through god's word so what god's word says uh, should have authority in our lives meaning that we should respond to it with uh, obedience and trust but when i say being open to god's voice uh, there are definitely also times such as the one in this passage where god might be leading you or prompting you or speaking to you uh, in a particular situation he might be sort of guiding you in a very specific way for that moment Uh, Philip obviously couldn't have come to the conclusion that he should go to where he went uh, to that desert road by only reading scripture God had to give him a specific instruction and he had to listen to it Um, And of course, one of the ways that Philip could have tested whether that instruction was from God would have been to kind of use his understanding of the Scriptures, and maybe he did that. Uh, But nevertheless, there was kind of specific guidance given for the situation beyond what he could have read in Scripture. And I kind of very deliberately and carefully choose my words um, when when I'm speaking about this, because... um, You know, here at Liberty Church, we do believe wholeheartedly in the authority uh, and the sufficiency of Scripture, absolutely. Um, uh, Scripture contains everything that we need to know for salvation, spiritual growth, uh, and living a godly life. But that doesn't mean that God can't also give us guidance through, uh, for example, our consciences. Romans uh, 2.15 is an example of that. Or through... Prophecy or simply wisdom or knowledge given by the spirit Uh, We see that in 1 Corinthians 12, which is about spiritual gifts So not only do we believe in the authority and sufficiency of Scripture We also believe in the active presence and ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives To be our guide and counselor uh, Which might take the form of him speaking to you about a particular situation And that won't uh, necessarily be as kind of obvious and unsubtle as what we read in the passage. Um, But when God does speak, you want to be open to it, and able to receive it. Uh, So one, I guess, one recent example in my life, you know, Rich mentioned uh, on Wednesday night we appointed elders. And so uh, these guys here, and Dan and myself, were kind of prayed for as we uh, took on the responsibility of, of being elders at Liberty Church. Um, and that was an exciting moment. I also, I also felt that it was a special moment for our church. Uh, and for me, that sort of journey towards uh, saying yes to that was also a journey in which I had to listen closely to God's voice. Because uh, it wasn't immediately obvious to me how I should respond to that. Um, I did feel a sort of desire to, to do it and to serve the church in any way that I could. But I had to work through whether that was something that I was called to and also process some, I guess, questions and, and thoughts and, frankly, uncertainties that I had about uh, about that. So I won't go through all the things that I processed in that time, but uh, I think God spoke to me in that period in a number of different ways. Uh, he spoke to me through encouragement and wisdom from other people in the church. He spoke to me uh, through lots of conversations with my wife, Jess, And with dear friends and their wisdom in that um he spoke to me through reminding me of and pointing me to scripture and also through giving me uh, a real sense of peace around some of the things i was thinking about as i uh, prayed to him about them and now you you might say that all sounds you know very ordinary um and yeah in some cases god speaks through prophecies and visions but sometimes he also speaks to you in those kind of seemingly ordinary ways Uh, but I think there's also God definitely also speaks through those things and there's wisdom in um, being able to see what God is trying to say to you in those times so that's a a wisdom that you can ask God for uh, and a sensitivity to his voice I think that you can ask him for So through all of those things, uh, yeah, I felt God gradually take away any kind of doubt that I had around that and replace it with faith and excitement. Uh, And in the end, yeah, really feeling clearly that God was saying, yes, this is good. Uh, I want you to do this. So yeah, that's just one example of God speaking into a particular situation uh, and sort of gently guiding and prompting me uh, where he wanted me to go and giving me faith for that. Uh, So if you're a Christian here, I would encourage you to ask God to help you recognize his voice. Pray for wisdom from him uh, to be able to hear it and discern it. And when you do hear it, uh, respond with acceptance and obedience because he is good and he uh, wants what is best for you. He ultimately wants what is best for his children uh, so we can trust him. And if you're not a Christian, uh, maybe you've always kind of thought of Christianity as being this stale and stagnant thing. You know, just kind of a book of rules to follow or a book of old stories to remember. Uh, but no, the, the truth is that being a Christian means having a relationship with your creator. Um, who is alive and present in your life by his Holy Spirit uh, being with you and living in you and speaking to you. Uh, so you may want to consider what, you know, what might God be saying to you right now? Maybe he's prompting you to explore him more. Maybe, you know, he's prompting you to check out the Alpha Course link and see what that's all about. Um, maybe that's why he brought you here. So just something, something to think about. Uh, the second way in which we see the Holy Spirit at work uh, in this story is that he provides a perfect opportunity for Philip to share the gospel. This, like I said earlier, this absolutely could not be orchestrated by human planning uh, or human kind of strategizing. God's timing is really perfect. You know, the the eunuch had just been worshiping in Jerusalem uh, and as Philip kind of passes him, he is reading from Isaiah 53, which is just the kind of perfect passage from which to share the gospel of Jesus because it's all about... It's, it's directly about Jesus and his death, death on the cross. And not only that, but the eunuch is then prompted to ask Philip to explain the scriptures to him. So the spirit has really been at work here to provide a perfect opportunity to share the gospel. Another kind of way in which we see that God is the one actively building his church through these things. Uh, and a couple of things stand out to me here. So firstly... It's clear that God sovereignly uses his people in his mission. So God is able to save people completely on his own. And we will see that in the next chapter as well about uh, Saul being converted. But here he uses his servant Philip in saving the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, The spirit provides the opportunity to share the gospel. And Philip is the one to actually explain the gospel to, to this man. Uh, And in in our context too, I think uh, the way that God chooses to make the gospel known often is through his people, through his church. So he leads the way uh, and provides opportunities for us to tell the good news and then calls us to kind of obediently respond and join this mission. So then, yeah, related to that, the other thing uh, that that struck me is that Philip must have been ready for this moment. As soon as the opportunity presents itself, uh, Philip tells the good news about Jesus in a compelling way. Clearly, that the the man comes to faith. And it reminds me of uh, 1 Peter 3.15, which says, uh, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So it seems to be that that, yeah, Philip must have been prepared and we should take uh, 1 Peter 3.15 seriously as well and be prepared ourselves to tell people the good news uh, about Jesus and the hope that we have in him when we have an opportunity. I remember back at university um, getting an an amazing opportunity to share the gospel at one point. it's really stuck in my mind even though I finished university more than 10 years ago which feels a bit crazy but um, I was sitting with a few other students and the conversation got deep and one of them knowing I was a Christian literally asked uh, why did Jesus have to die you know there was a whole bunch of context to the conversation obviously but why did Jesus need to die and I remember in that moment I kind of Throws initially and then just yeah, Kind of clumsily answered the question I wasn't, I wasn't really prepared But it would have been so great To be prepared and to be able to Compellingly re- respond And you know, give a reason for my hope in Jesus um, So yeah I, And I think there is grace in that obviously And at the, at the end of the day And we'll see this later as well God is sovereign And um, you or I are not going to sort of mess up his plans if he wants to do work in someone's heart absolutely not um, but I do just think back to that moment whenever I hear 1 Peter 3:15 and think I want to be prepared uh, so yeah we see here God chooses to make the gospel known through his people leading the way by providing opportunities and then uh, calling us to join in his mission and be prepared to share the good news another way uh, in which we see the Holy Spirit at work In this story the third way uh, is that he has so clearly prepared the eunuch's heart to receive the gospel it's amazing that the eunuch is so open to the message so for one thing he's been he's just been worshiping in jerusalem uh which kind of tells us that he may have already previously converted to the jewish faith or at least he knew and worshipped uh he knew something of the god of israel uh, so the Spirit has obviously already kind of been at work for some time in his life to bring him to that point. Uh, and then when Philip doesn't, sorry, when the eunuch doesn't understand uh, the scriptures he's reading, he asks Philip to come and explain them to him. And he says, Philip says, "Do you understand what you're reading?" And the, the eunuch says, "How can I unless someone guides me?" So, uh, and then invites Philip to come and sit with him and and asks him to explain Isaiah 53. You know, the Spirit has obviously given him a humility to know that he doesn't quite understand what he's reading and has given him a genuine desire to earnestly seek answers and to know more. Uh, he's, he's clearly not hardened towards the Scriptures. His heart has been prepared by God's Spirit. And I think that is a really important thing uh, to keep remembering ourselves as well. Um, and I think, yeah, like I said, important to follow up my previous point with about being prepared to share the gospel because that can feel pretty high pressure then but um, when we do share the gospel we can't change anyone's heart by ourselves only God is the one who does uh, who can and does change people's hearts so just like God opened the eunuch's heart to the gospel uh, he also continues to open people's hearts to, to the message today that's yeah. That's basically what I was getting at when I said, you know, we're we're not going to be able to mess up God's plans if He wants to do work in someone's heart. Um, God uh, God works in people's hearts, and we don't need to worry or feel this massive pressure or anything about about what we will say to people. And actually, I'm not sure if this is helpful to you. I always find this liberating to know that uh, regardless of how eloquent when I am when I'm talking to people about the gospel. Um, regardless of how sort of well-spoken and and how kind of uh, logical and concise my explanation is, I will sound foolish to those who aren't called by God to be saved. That's because uh, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So he can use what we say to work powerfully in people's hearts, who he wants to call to himself, no matter how foolish we think we sound or how foolish other people tell us we sound. Um, so that's, yeah, remembering that is something that I find kind of liberating in this, in this truth. And lastly, uh, we see, the fourth way we see the spirit at work in this story, is just that he miraculously orchestrates things and uh, provides what is needed at just the right time especially in uh, providing water for the eunuch to be baptized straight away. Remembering that this is a desert road, so water would have been rare to find. Uh, But the Spirit has been directing and orchestrating this incident so that the eunuch, at at exactly the the moment that he accepts Jesus, uh, he can immediately be baptized, which sort of immediately symbolizes and confirms his new life in Christ. And the man's baptism brings him great joy. and says he went on his way rejoicing. His life and his whole outlook have been changed by the gospel. Um, so we, yeah, we understand uh, that the gospel uh, is, is good news. Uh, the, the eunuch ex- hears the gospel and accepts it and is filled with joy. And then towards the end of the passage, as they come up out of the water, it says that Philip uh, was carried away by the Spirit and suddenly the eunuch doesn't see him anymore Uh, and Philip finds himself in Azotus which is a a coastal area so no longer on this desert road Uh, so while it kind of defies human logic it seems that Philip was transported by God quite miraculously from that desert area to Azotus to keep kind of preaching the gospel to other towns until he reaches Caesarea Uh, and again that shows us that Uh, This early kind of stage of expanding and rapidly growing the church was uh, amazingly and miraculously empowered by uh, God's Spirit. Another way in which we see God actively building his church. And that is also still true today. I want to say that if you're a believer in Jesus... Uh, however you came to faith is actually no less miraculous than this story even if it's seemingly ordinary to you Uh, even if it wasn't kind of visibly miraculous I was uh, FaceTiming my parents earlier this week Uh, they live in Sydney, Australia actually sometimes they watch the live stream so maybe they're watching now hi mum and dad if you are Um, they're probably having dinner or something Um, but I was talking to them about this passage and how you see the spirit so clearly at work to bring the eunuch to faith and my dad said to me immediately like yeah although he wasn't aware of it at the time in hindsight he can clearly see that God was orchestrating and directing events uh, in his life in order to bring him and my mum to a saving faith in Jesus a bit of background, my parents grew up uh, in the Netherlands uh, my sister and I were born here and then for the first 10 years of my life we lived a sort of expat life living in quite a few different countries uh, and at the time my parents were not Christians uh, and actually my, my dad describes himself as having been particularly skeptical towards Christianity uh, throughout his life uh, anyway then in 1999 when I was a uh, small 10-year-old boy. Uh, They decided to quit that kind of expat life, ship all of their things to the other side of the world and settle in Sydney, Australia, which is where I spent the rest of my sort of youth and early 20s growing up. And that turned out to really be a move of God because in Australia, everything changed for them. We moved into a house uh, that was down the road from a Christian family. And within the first few months of living there, my sister was uh, invited to a youth group by the the daughter of that family. And that was the beginning of my whole family being welcomed into a church community and hearing about Jesus uh, and coming to trust him and coming to a, uh, a saving relationship with Jesus. And my dad, uh, part of the story that I love, my dad explained to me how one Sunday uh, he was in church and he felt uh, all of that skepticism that he had about Jesus and the church just melt away. Uh, and that's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's a miracle. So, yeah, no matter how kind of visibly ordinary you may feel your story is, uh, God has been at work in your story as well uh, to miraculously save you and uh, yeah, reveal to you the truth about Jesus and the joy of his grace. So is there a further implication of this for us? Uh, of this for us? Well, I think these things serve to remind us that we serve a God who, uh, for whom nothing is impossible. So if he wants to build his church, if he wants to make himself known, if he wants to change hearts and save people, he can do that. Nothing is impossible for him. And that's uh, an important thing to hold on to. I think uh, it's really easy to get discouraged or sad when you think about people who you love uh, who are, are not believers in Jesus. Uh, but this story in Acts remind us, reminds us that there's no limit to what God can do. Uh, and it also reminds us that you know, this, this eunuch who was saved probably didn't quite fit into um, the mold that Philip may have had in his head of someone who would be saved. Um, But yeah, this story reminds us that the gospel uh, is for everyone and that there is no one who uh, is beyond the grace of Jesus. And uh, yeah, there's no limit to to what he can do to change hearts. Uh, So be encouraged that 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 is the case and that you may also be only seeing a small part of someone's journey. So um, yeah, Stu was reminding us of this on Wednesday as well. Uh, If you're uh, feeling discouraged about uh, a loved one of yours who doesn't know Jesus, you know, be encouraged that God may be using you for only part of the story. You don't know what's going to happen in future years and, uh, and yeah, what interactions that person has with, with other people. Um, God is powerfully at work and is building his church. And as a church as well, we can get discouraged about reaching our city. Uh, I remember a story that Matt has told a few times about coming to Amsterdam to set up Liberty Church. Uh, and... He met with another pastor who I think had tried to plant a church in Amsterdam. uh, And he'd said to Matt, I might be misquoting this, something something along the lines of Amsterdam is the the graveyard of church plants. And so that's, you know, obviously very discouraging for someone to hear who's just moved to the city to plant a church. Um, But once again, this story reminds us that God is a powerful God for whom nothing is impossible. And we've witnessed that at Liberty as well by God's grace in the last eight years uh, he has been changing hearts through this community and he's been bringing people to faith uh, and he's been growing people in their faith. So all throughout this story uh, we've been seeing the spirit at work and we're reminded that both then and now it's God who is building his church. He guides people by his spirit, he provides uh, people with opportunities to share the love of Jesus He transforms and changes hearts so that people can receive the gospel. Uh, And he can do the impossible and and work miraculously in people's lives to bring that about. So what's the best way to respond to this? Well, I think uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, then the best response is to pray. Pray for uh, the Spirit's leading and to be able to hear his voice and respond uh, with joyful obedience. Pray that uh, God would prepare the hearts of those around you to hear the gospel and that he would lead you in how he wants to use you uh, in his mission of making Jesus known. And then have confidence and rest uh, in the fact that you're being led and empowered uh, by God himself and that he is building his church. And if you're, not, uh, if you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus, then I think a good response to this would be uh, Like I said earlier, firstly, to consider uh, what God might be saying to you today, how he might be at work in your life. Maybe the the Holy Spirit prompted you to come here today. Maybe he made you open to coming here when a friend invited you. Uh, So yeah, consider that. Consider that that God might be saying something to you today. And another good response would be to ask a Christian you know uh, to help you read the Bible. I said that uh, earlier that God speaks primarily to us through the Bible and the eunuch as well in the story he didn't fully understand what he was reading uh, and he asked Philip for help uh, and that's okay you know, maybe you'd like to ask someone that too you'd like to read the Bible together with someone uh, to help uh, understand what you're reading so I'd say ask a Christian you know uh, to do that with you and I think they would, they would love to do that uh, I'm going to pray, and then Nina and Wilson are going to come and lead us in some more songs. Lord, we thank you so much uh, for this wonderful truth that it's you who is building your church. You are uh, yeah, guiding people and em- empowering people and uh, directing events to, to build your church and to make the gospel known uh, to all people. Pray, Lord, that we would be able to hear your voice I pray that we would be sensitive to your leading, uh, that we would trust what it is that you're doing, and that you would be preparing the hearts of those around us to hear the gospel. Uh, And that when we have opportunities, Lord, that you would guide us in uh, speaking the truth uh, to those people. And thank you so much uh, for the fact that you uh, live in us, God, that you speak to us, that you are, um, yeah, actively involved in our lives, and yeah, I pray that you would just help us to, to listen to you, to hear your voice. And we thank you most of all for Jesus and this wonderful truth of the gospel that we get to share with people. Amen.